you want me to start again? Cause I you- want you to start this one. <laughs> so we had this idea for an episode. We wanted to talk about the long game of inspiration. And I don't know if that's what we're going to title it, but it sounds good. I like the idea. I like the idea of hedging your bets and playing the long game. What do you think, Brian? Launch out onto the loop as we discuss this today on Curiosity Continuum. Hey everybody, this is Josh. And this is Brian. Welcome to the podcast for Curiosity Continuum. Curiosity Continuum is an industry-innovating, non-traditional company passionate about growing wisdom in the next generation. We are the essential bridge between the analog and digital worlds by combining collaborative communities that unleash the power of adaptive expertise and innovation needed to thrive in the 21st century. We combine and mix essential elements needed to empower people to succeed in new ways not possible outside of a creative, thoughtful, diverse community of fellow curious people. Follow us on your favorite podcast app to receive notifications of new content. If you like what you hear and want to dive deeper, please visit us at curiositycontinuum.com. Thanks for tuning in. Let's start the conversation. So, you know, I wanted to just talk to people about how sometimes Josh and I have a spike of information or not like a shard of a conversation and it goes deep into my brain. <laughs> and it's like, ooh, this might be a good brain spike for somebody else. And the thing that actually started it was Josh forwarded me an article about uh, the Artemis mission and how the moon is kind of a target to be permanently colonized. Right. And so I wanted to start this episode off just by talking like like one to two minutes, maybe three, on just what's going on there. So everyone, a lot of people are aware that the Artemis mission launched and it's orbiting the moon right now. It's a, it's a craft that we actually built to go back to the moon now we haven't been there since like 1970 like two or three or four or whatever it was that our last mission we went there with but the thing that's about this that's so intriguing is this mission is for the rapid colonization of the moon and to get the resources that are there so some of the resources for example are helium now, helium-3, which is what is on the moon, is supposed to be extremely good for nuclear fusion. And we just don't have a lot of it here in, in, in the, on Earth anymore. So we're like, it's becoming helium of all types. It's becoming rare. So it's like, okay, because it's one of the gases, if you think about it, and that balloon floats off into space. The gas actually leaves the balloon and keeps going. And it can go into space and it just disappears from the planet. It never comes back. It's not like water where water just falls as rain again and keeps coming back and recycles, right? So also there's gold, there's platinum, there's precious metals on the moon. And not only that, but there's ice. And when there's ice, we can make liquid oxygen and liquid hydrogen and we can make fuel for spacecraft. So this is like a a perfect launching point for humanity to go into out there. And so I want to interject here because just that slug of information, I think about Star Trek because Josh and I both love Star Trek. Josh planted that seed in me years ago. 
But there's an entire generation and now probably a second and a third generation of people that were inspired by science fiction. And even before they were Star Trek, you'd read Isaac Asimov books. And, and, just and think- those people like that read those books made Star Trek. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was like it's, it, it is that roll of yarn almost, that ball of yarn, you know. What happens is that over the course of time, uh, it's the barnacles of, in, of yeah. innovation and inspiration. The snowball so, effect, yeah. And I had a very successful entrepreneur tell me that it's not like one big innovation that all of a sudden the whole world moves. It's thousands of innovations that somebody gets recognized that they did something that kind of tipped the scale over and then all of a sudden we're there. So think about that. Go back and think about that for a second, Brian. Like, let's let's have this conversation real quick. The iPhone. Nothing in the iPhone, maybe one or two things, was completely unique. It was just a lot of systems being put together. So there was a lot of separate innovation that happened to get us to that iPhone part. Mm-hmm. But once it was all put together in your palm of your hand, literally like Octavius and Spider-Man 2000 and whatever it was, or two... <laughs> I have the power of the sun in my palm of my hand. Yes. It literally happened there. Like, like, oh, I can under, I understand it now. And everyday people understood it. So that to me is, that's kind of profound. Well, yeah. When you think about, you mean you can, there's going to be a device that reads my health information and tells me the weather and all the information of the world in the palm of my hand. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Now, and that not terribly long ago was... Science, literally science fiction. But then somebody was audacious enough to go, you know, what if we tried to make that a reality? Right. I, I, one thing I really enjoy um, and some of the things that just get suggested to me is that when people really are trying to build lightsabers <laughs> and they have like these more and more epic lightsaber battles. And I love how people can just mix their own video and stuff these days. But that thing that people are actually trying, like, how do you actually make this thing? You know, will it ever be a reality? I don't know. But the, the pursuit of that has the outworking into many other innovations that we enjoy today. Yeah, and so even with that, if you think about like just some everyday, let's think about some everyday objects that like we probably use every day, right? Uh, Stainless steel. Stainless steel was an accident. The British researcher that was trying to come up with a new alloy of steel had all these alloys and was failed and threw one in a pile threw them in the pile outside and realized that one of the, the the tests that they had was not rusting. And it was like years later. And so they're like, oh, why is that not rusting? Pull it out. Like a good scientist actually had everything labeled correctly and had correct notes. Take notes, So people. could go back and figure it out. Now, the same thing happened with 3M and Post-it notes. Post-it notes was entirely a mistake. The adhesive that's on the back of Post-it notes was a failed bonding agent that a chemist was working on. The chemist put it in a jar, put it on the shelf. It was like five to ten years later, came back, said, you know what? I need a bookmark. And I need a bookmark that stays because they were sick and tired of their bookmark that like fell out of their book and uh you know voila post-it notes are born so and this goes back you know hundreds and thousands of years to certain things 
lots of good innovation happens in the margins. It's like a mistake. It's a happy mistake, but it's something that wasn't the intended consequence. You know, so this is kind of spinning this episode a different direction, but I love it. Um, sometimes you don't understand the usage of something until later. Right. So what this originally was intended, like if you had somebody in your past who said something to you or they were a mentor or it was like in class, you may not realize what that did for you until years later. And you go, you know, that was the inflection point. But the the long game, I guess I can wrap it back around. Yeah. Huh. So when you look back now through the lens of time, because, you know, hindsight can be 2020. Always I don't believe is. it's foot. Well, I, well, that's another conversation. Yeah. Right? Another podcast episode. But you, the clarity that that brings go, oh, you know what? That caused this and caused this. But at the time, you would never have known that. It's just like a little bitty adjustment on a rudder on a ship. You just would have never known. Uh, I want to give an example of this for musicians. So I play bass, and uh, one of the primary ways you play bass is with your with your right hand. You just use your fingers, right? Uh, different than guitar, where you're primarily using a pick often, especially on electric guitar. Bass players oftentimes just use their fingers. Now, there's plenty of bass players who play with picks. But I learned with fingers, and I had a luthier and a 70s jazz guitarist guy who was teaching me, and he told me that I shouldn't click or clack when I hit the string. Now he said this to me and I said, okay, that meant like my technique was crap. <laughs> so I went home and I spent hours and hours and years and years and years and years getting rid of it. I've shared the story before on the podcast and when I went back to jam with him, you know, and we traded instruments. So he was, I was playing guitar and he was playing bass and he played with a pick and he was clacking. I said, you're clacking. He goes, what do you mean I'm clacking? I go, you have that clack. He goes, there always is a clack. I'm like, you told me not to clack. He goes, what do you mean I told you not to clack? And we, I had to tell him, like, this is what you said years ago. And he goes, oh, that's not what I meant. And it's like, he, but he caused me to have really, really good technique. Right. Which I have way more control on something. That was something that there's no way that I would have known, like, this is going to be better for me years later, playing in a studio in Nashville, playing wherever I play or having that better control of my right hand technique, you never could have told me that. I never would have known it. I misunderstood something he said. And it's played off, paid off, played off, I guess I play too, to now. And it's paying off in the future as well. So how are you putting together those things now? Have you like laid something on the shelf in your past that you should probably dust off to go, you know what? Maybe that's useful now. You'd be surprised, I bet. Yeah, and I want to I want to pull that back too because that is the the point of this episode is that just because something that you thought was not useful before it doesn't mean it's not useful now. There are plenty of skills that I have, plenty of things that I've done that didn't really make sense until until I had to I had had to use it. You know, like I bought a ton of tools and I didn't really need all the tools at the time. And my wife was like, why are you buying these tools? Well, then that one day I'm like, hey, could you go to the garage, go to the second shelf, third tool on the right? I need that tool. And she's like, oh, I see why you bought it now. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the same with skills. There are skills that we have and things that we do that we shelve, especially as humans, because 
like it's not used every day. It's not something that we're doing in our everyday life. But pull that back out, dust it off, because you'll be surprised what you got there. You might actually have something more relevant to your life now than it was in the past. And you know what? Even if it's not relevant to you now, there are things that you could show somebody of the younger generation. You go, oh, my gosh, what's that? And they say, well, this is a such and so, you know. Right. (laughs) And it's funny. It sounds really funny. But the first time, like this is years ago now, but when my children saw a dial, like a rotary telephone. Oh, sure. What is this? Like, it's a rotary telephone. They're like, how does it work? And I explained it to them. They're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, really? You know, and they're like, oh, so that's why I had to explain that, you know, in the back in the day when there were no cell phones, there was actually a dial tone in the before times. Yes, in the before times. Yeah. They're like, okay. And when my son texted on a flip phone years ago, I made him get a flip phone, both of them before they had a smartphone. And he was trying to text by hitting number nine four times and then number four or three times to tap, tap his message. I said, you know all those shortcuts that appear on chat? That's why. He goes, oh, because it literally was a shortcut. You didn't want to have to explain yourself in long text. Instead of laugh out loud, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Which is highly overused these days, but that different topic for right. a different day. So, folks, you know, the thing that is collecting dust, you never know how it will play out. Sometimes it's in just small arenas in your own personal life. Sometimes just larger innovations, because just because there's not the context for it. Um, I'll close with this uh, more recent example of Iron Man 2, where there is a new type of element that, at the time, there was not the technology to create it, but Tony Stark was able to create it. I just watched that episode, too, or that movie again, too. So, you know, know, dying with palladium in your chest when you're... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> you know, and the movie's still got to go on. Like it's always a good driving action to develop something new and innovative. But I think that's all I got, Josh. No, I mean that's great. Like I want to just encourage people. You got something in your closet? You got something you need to dust off and use, or at least dust it off and see if it's useful. You'll be surprised. I think I'm just going to leave it there. Until next time, this is Brian and this is Josh for Curiosity Continuum. Mm-hmm.